Hi, I'm David Kaplan, and you're listening to the Sports Talk Live podcast. Enjoy the show. The Red Hot White Sox are back on NBC Sports Chicago. Last night, Tim Anderson finished off a Sox sweep of his hated rivals. Tonight, they'll look for their fourth straight win when the Indians come to town. Baseball night in Chicago previews the action at 6.30. Then Jason Benetti and Steve Stone with the call at 7 o'clock. A horrible scene last night in Houston. A foul ball off the bat of Albert Almora Jr.'s bat strikes a young fan, sending her to the hospital. Almora and all of the players visibly upset with the incident. Will this force Major League Baseball to extend that protective netting? And the NBA Finals finally begin tonight. Can Kawhi actually lead the Raptors to an upset in the franchise's first Finals appearance? Or will the Warriors win a third straight title even if Kevin Durant doesn't play? Welcome into Sports Talk Live presented by the Chevy Silverado. Let's meet the panel for today's show. From NBC5, he's super anchor Alex Maragos, the czar of Pro Football Weekly Hub Arkish, and from the Sun-Times, the artist formerly known as Patrick Finley. Guys, it really was a, a scary scene watching the game last night. You see that foul ball, and you think to yourself, first of all, I hope it hits nobody, but Albert Amor said he instantly locked eyes with that young girl as he saw the ball traveling that way. You could see his reaction was so authentic and compassionate was the, was the word that I thought as I saw it. And it was, it was, it, that part of it was nice to see at least. You know, watching the game, the, the initial shot is from the center field camera behind the pitcher. Yeah. And the ball comes off his bat so low yeah. at an angle that it just never even occurred to me. But then you instantly see his reaction. You know what's happening. And I actually tweeted this this morning. He has been one of my favorites from the day he got here. He's a Hall of Famer as far as I'm concerned as a person. I mean, you, you could just tell how you know, gut-wrenching it was. And I'm sure it would be for, for, for anybody. But, but the way he reacted in particular, I, I, just, I felt almost as bad for him as I did for the little girl. From that shot, it, you thought at first maybe he hit a teammate. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, just, you know, it, it was immediate. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, his reaction is very human. And I think that uh, you'd like to think every player would react that way. You know, you don't have to be a father to appreciate it. You don't have to be a nice guy to appreciate the danger there and to feel sorry. Uh, but the, the fact that he was so demonstrative about it, you know, if they don't move those nets now, I'm afraid it's going to take somebody dying because yeah. this, is the pro, this is the advertisement for moving the nets. And you've got a player acting as emotional as you will ever see a player act because of it. Certainly on the field, and you saw Todd Frazier as well last year at yep. Yankee Stadium. That was the other big one. And it's the humanity that you mentioned, Patrick, that took this from just being a sports story and obviously the impact as well to a national news story about what we're going to do. Because even if you don't follow baseball closely, we've all been to games at varying levels and we've all seen what, what can happen here. And, and, you know, if you look at it again, as I looked at it again and again, even the catcher knew right away mm -hmm. that right. was something. Yeah. And the other thing about you know, the game's being played in different stadiums and different shapes. If that's at Wrigley, that probably hits the front of the dugout, but just the way that it's shaped at the Astros Stadium and the way the dugouts are, it ended up in the stands. Well, I mean, here was my other thought. Our seats at Wrigley are about two-thirds of the way down the first base dugout. We're about 13 rows off the field. And I've got grandkids, lots of grandkids. They're all between like six and two. We take them all the time. Until a couple of years ago, 
we were exposed and there were balls coming off of right-handers bats like that and then the Cubs did extend the netting it now goes to the end of the first base dugout It's right in front of us you don't notice it at all and, and I'm long before seeing this last night was really grateful sitting there with my kids to say okay at least I know they're safe and, and there's just there's no reason not to do it it doesn't make any sense here's our Ankin Law Sports Talk Live poll question you see at the bottom of the screen are they gonna do something about it Patrick you said is it gonna take someone dying somebody died two years ago yeah. at a Dodgers game, right. uh, a lady that was almost 80 year, years old. Here's my thing. Chris Bryant even said, just put it all the way down to the foul poles. If people sitting directly behind home plate aren't bothered by that net, the most expensive seats in the entire ballpark, why are you going to be bothered by it down the left field line, down the right field line? Nope, you're not. it's not going to impact your experience. And nobody can sit there for three and a half hours. You can't say, well, this person wasn't watching their child or... Mm-hmm. Who sits there for three and a half hours with two gloves on their hand? And even if they do, who's to say that ball's not going to skip off the glove or the reaction's going to be too slow? And doesn't doesn't check their phone from time to time, as we all do. Well, that's what makes this different from a conversation we would have had 10 or 15 years ago. Is, you know, know, in, what, 2000, we'd sit there and be like, oh, keep your eyes on the game. Now nobody keeps their eyes on anything. And, I mean, we all look down at our phones. You know, it makes us more vulnerable, and you hate to look at it from that point of view, but I think that that's an argument for why now, when, you know, 10, 15 years ago, nobody, nobody cared to move it, or at least there wasn't this uprising to do so. You know, honestly, Luke, I don't know that you got to go all the way down the film, and at some point, you, you know, it, it takes long enough, you see it coming, you, you, you are at a ball game, you can protect yourself, but, it, you know, it, it's just, it's interesting to me that the, the, the Cubs made a move and extended it. As I understood from the broadcast last night, Houston has not. I don't think the netting goes as far down, you know, the stands as it does in Wrigley and some other ballparks. And to not least have it standard in all 30 major league ballparks where you decide this is the safe zone and you extend that netting, there's no excuse for that. But that's what makes baseball so different than football or basketball or anything else. To make a stadium rule standard is difficult or at least complicated because no stadium is alike. I mean, you'd almost have to look at it like a ground rule where in this ballpark, this has been deemed appropriate. In this other ballpark, maybe something else is. I just think it's kind of crazy having sat in that camera well before there was the renovation at Wrigley. It was terrifying to be down there. And frankly, I wouldn't be opposed to it covering up the dugout. And so they have to walk around the side. The players are in just as much danger. They're sitting there not yeah. paying attention at times, too, or they're turning around, getting a cup of water. That ball comes flying in there, and it's super dangerous. The seats get closer, and I understand every team wants to maximize revenue and put more people closer, and the game's getting faster. I think you take those two things together, the exit velo, like we always talk about, that's everywhere around the field. Yeah. You yeah. get those things, those two things together, you, you got to put a net. My best buddy has seats in the third row in the middle of the visitor dugout at the rate. He's, uh, that's why we're best buddies. He's a Sox fan. I'm a Cubs fan. <laughs> you know, we take each other to the games. It's not why, but it's part of it. And forget the kids. I sit there terrified. I yeah. mean, I, I, I've had balls come not, not that close, you know, but within 5, 10 feet either way. And it's coming. You may think, hey, I was an athlete. I can do it. That ball's coming at you so fast that it's really tough to protect yourself. No way. And if you're like me holding a helmet full of nachos, there's no <laughs> chance. Where do you go? You're going to be able to do it. Speaking of the White Sox, uh, Tim Anderson uh, hit by a pitch last night against his Royals that he just can't stand. He calls him his rival. Um, did they throw out the pitcher too early? No. He hit a guy in the head. I, I mean, I don't think so. Based on past history and right. what guys have said. And I also, so. you know, I, I think there's a world where if you want to throw a slider and hit him in the butt, okay. Like, okay. 
but you went above the shoulders. And I don't care that it was a changeup. Uh, to me, that's an automatic ejection 99 times out of 100. If they want to settle this old score by hitting them in the behind, I think that, that that's old school, but at least that's safe. This, I thought, was just dangerous. This, I think, is right on the borderline just because, again, if you're going to hit a guy, you're not going to usually do it with an 86-mile-an-hour changeup. The only thing that makes this on the line and not a definite no, he should not have been thrown out, was the history. And that just has to be taken into account, which... Obviously, you saw Yost disagreeing with there. But the umpires, <laughs> keeping that in mind, I think is smart on them going into every game, knowing who's up, who's, who's pitching, and the history between the two. The problem I had with it is even Anderson immediately said he knew it was an accident. And, and, and for him, and we've seen how he's reacted in the past. So for him to be able to say, I knew it was an accident, I think the umpire could have shown a little better judgment there. I don't think the guy did. Yeah, no, but if the standard isn't a team that you have a history with and hitting them in the head, what the heck is the standard? And I mean, that's, I, mean, I think it's impossible to argue that he should have stayed there. And if Tim didn't think it was an accident, we would have seen it right away. Yeah. We would have seen exactly. it right away because yeah. he stood there that's and true. let it play out. Let's hear what Tim Anderson had to say after the game last night. Man, I don't, you know, I don't like the Royals. I don't like them. So uh, it's going to be forever beef for me. So, uh, but man, we're going to try to, you know, we're going to try to whoop them every time we play You don't like the Royals from just the past two years? Nah, just, just period, man. I don't like them. You almost like the rivalry though? Is this a little yeah, get man, up a little bit? Yeah, just get me going, man. I'm excited to play him though. I just want to walk him every time I play him. Hey, this guy's a reporter's dream. He shows <laughs> he shows the passion on and off the field. He says what he means. He's not just throwing out comments. He he's a passionate player, and I, I think that's great. I don't know about you, but uh, forever beef is the order I make when I want the Italian beef with a little <laughs> bit of sausage on top. Forever beef, forever beef, forever beef is forever what it's beef. called. Somebody, somebody out there endorse. Give this yes. man an endorsement. Yeah. A, a beef with some sort of Tim Anderson <laughs> sauce. Forever beef. Yeah, you know what? He made a midweek game against the Royals entertaining, and he continues to make White Sox baseball, which they are hot, but they are still middling. He makes them fun, and I think that's the highest compliment he can get at this time in the year. What I'm trying to figure out is how they can be this hot and hanging around 500 with that pitching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is impressive yeah. what some of these kids are doing. They may add a little piece, and we'll see if they continue. By the way, forever beef, I've always been called forever a meatball. <laughs> it's just the truth. Uh, the NBA Finals are here, but Kevin Durant will not be on the court. He is out for Game 1, doubtful for Game 2. Can the Raptors give the Warriors a run for their money, or is this going to be another sweep? And remember when Trey Burton was suddenly injured for the Bears' playoff game? Well, we finally found out why. Now, will he be ready in time for training camp? Cubs authentic fans. The My Teams app by NBC Sports is your home for Cubs highlights, articles, and more. For the best Cubs coverage anytime, anywhere, download the My Teams app today. Back on Sports Talk Live at the latest on the Bears. OTAs are going on up at Hallis Hall. Yesterday, Matt Nagy told us that tight end Trey Burton, who missed that playoff game against the Eagles, had sports hernia surgery in March. So no OTAs for him, but hopefully he's back for the start of training camp. Got two football experts here. This is one of the stranger stories, just the way things have kind of unfolded on a timeline. Yeah, you know, he woke up the day before the Eagles game. He had said that his body locked up. He, you know, he went in, really not felt anything uh, too scary before. He said maybe a little soreness that Friday. He gets an MRI. The MRI confirms that he's got an issue. After the game, or the day, a day later, he confirms when somebody says, hey, might this be related to anxiety? He went, 
essentially went, I don't think so, but I don't know. Then it got this life of its own. I saw him Super Bowl week, and he reiterated that, saying, nah, it wasn't anxiety, it was, it was an injury. And, and then, you know, come to find out that something that struck him in his sleep now required surgery? It, it's just, the twists and turns with this is amazing. This is one of the nicest, most well-spoken, impressive young men to come through town in a long time. And up until the Giants game, what was that, week 11, right. 10, something like that? You'd have, you'd have never suspected. And then all of a sudden, the last five, six weeks of the season, he kept talking his way into these situations. And, uh, you know, I still think he's a really impressive kid and a pretty good tight end. But now we got to wait for him to get healthy and see if there's going to be any, you know, after effects. Well, and, and the thing that's concerning is that this is a position where I don't think yeah. the Bears have tremendous depth. Adam Shaheen hasn't proven that he can stay healthy, hasn't proven that he can be the mismatch that the Bears have hoped. Uh, you know, besides that, what, you got Ben Bronacker, you got a converted tackle? I mean, the Bears' depth will be tested even if it's just through mandatory minicamp. Well, hopefully he's okay by the start of training camp. Speaking of injuries, the NBA Finals start tonight between the Warriors and the Raptors. Kevin Durant has been ruled out once again. Not expected to play in the first two games of the series at the very least. Golden State looking for the three-peat, closing in on four championships in five years. Is there any chance in your mind that the Raptors can pull this off? No. I say no. No, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any chance. Maybe they get it to five. Maybe they get it to six. It's fun that a lot of people are cheering for the Raptors, though I don't think there's a lot to cheer for against the Warriors. I think they're a great team with a lot of likable people. But just for the sake of switching it up, I, I don't see it going beyond five, really. I wouldn't be stunned if they stole one tonight. Typically, game one is when that sneak attack happens. You know, the Warriors have been sitting longer. You could argue the Raptors have had a much harder path to get to this point and have probably been more impressive given who they've had to beat. I, I don't think that they can win the series, but I think they'll make it interesting. And if they do, it's tonight. If they get blown out tonight, we might be looking at one of my favorite phrases in sports, a gentleman's sweep, which is 4-1. Uh, <laughs> you let them win a game at home, and that's it. I'm taking the Raptors in six. Oh, really? Raptors hey, in six? Nobody, gave, it to us, nobody gave them a chance against the Bucks after that first game. The Kawhi Leonard show started. These guys have been playing really good basketball for a long time. Leonard shows up. They finally got through the playoffs and got to the finals. I don't find the, the Warriors as likable as some people do, and I think they've got more than enough distractions going on now. They've got to play on the road. I just I think the Raptors are a better team than anybody's giving them credit for. I think that the the Bucks were a one-star team with some good players, and I think the Warriors are more stars, especially mm -hmm. if they bring Durant back. So that's why I think it's going to go fast, but we'll wait and see. Be interesting. Be fun. Joliet is going to be loud this weekend. The world's fastest race car drivers are in town for the Route 66 NHRA Nationals. Two of the stars from John Force Racing, two-time champ Robert Height and future superstar Austin Proc are coming up next on Sports Talk Live. For Chicago Sports Talk with Sizzle, crank up the heat and turn on STL. Host David Kaplan brings his no-nonsense opinion to the table every weeknight on the topics that are trending with our teams. Sports Talk Live, presented by the Chevy Silverado, weeknights at 6 on NBC Sports Chicago. We are back with the Chicagoland Speedway and Route 66 Racing Report, presented by Miller Lite this weekend in Joliet. The racing will be fast, it'll be loud. It's the 2019 Route 66 NHRA Nationals running through Sunday. And remember, every ticket is a pit pass. So you feel the racing live, and all you have to do is go to Route66Raceway.com and joining us now along with Scott Paddock. 
two of the stars from John Force Racing, one of the future stars of Top Fuel, it's Austin Prock, and two-time Funny Car World Champion, Robert Hype. First of all, guys, thanks for stopping by. I would thanks like to us. show us that ring. Can I get a good look at that? That's what a World Championship ring looks like? That's what we're all shooting for. That's real. What is it like being literally shot out of a rocket? Right? You're, you're almost like being launched into space. Yeah, so it's, it's five G's leaving the starting line, and then you have to take a little timing out of it, but you, you get five G's again out in the middle of the racetrack. So I went 339 miles an hour you know, a couple years ago, which is the record, and everybody wants to know, did you know it was running that fast? Well, you don't know it at the finish line. You know it in the middle of the racetrack. When the clutch is coming and the thing's really pulling the most G's, that's when you know you're on a good run. Does that sort of knock the wind out of you a little bit when you have to go that start that fast and then stop that fast? No, it's it's only, you know, three and a half, four seconds. So it's uh, it, it happens like that. Mm -hmm. And what do you do, Robert, physically, mentally to prepare for that? What can you do to get an edge? Because not only is horsepower important, but also your reaction time off the starting line is key to success, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, reaction time is more important than ever before. The cars are very evenly matched. You're, you're seeing cars, you know, separated by inches at 330 miles an hour. So reaction time is a big thing. Uh, you know, it's uh, the best thing is, is laps, making runs in the car, getting as many runs as you can, and you get more and more used to it. Mm -hmm. You're a young guy. What made you decide, this is what I want to do. This looks like fun. Uh, I've dreamt of driving a top fuel dragster my whole entire life. Um, and John Force gave me the opportunity. He called me uh, three years ago and uh, put it all on the table. And, you know, I wasn't going to miss it for anything. Awesome. Robert, NHRA drag racers are known to be probably some of the most accessible athletes in professional sports. Why is that? What is it about this sport that makes you realize how important the fans are and give them that kind of access? Well, it's NHRA has always been about every ticket is a pit pass. So, you know, you don't have to sit up in the stands for three or four hours watching cars go round and round. I love NASCAR, don't get me wrong. But uh, you get to get to go behind the scenes. You know, you watch a round of racing, then you can go back in the pits, and these teams are tearing these 11,000 horsepower engines apart and putting them back together in less than an hour. So the fans can can go see all that. There's there's just a lot to do during the day. And then I promise you, if uh, if your favorite driver is John Force, you're going to get a John Force autograph. So you know, you go to a NASCAR race, pretty tough to do that. Yeah, and and you could kind of feel it as a fan down on the track, as much as the drivers, maybe not quite, but you still feel the force of these cars. Oh, it's um, an NHRA event is sensory overload. You feel it. I mean, the ground shakes when two cars go down the racetrack. You smell it. It's deafening. It's it's nothing like uh, you've ever seen. If you haven't ever been to an event, only watched it on TV, you got to go. Mm -hmm. The temperatures are supposed to be. Pretty cool and seasonable Friday night, two nights of night qualifying. We'll do it again on Saturday. You know, Route 66 Raceway has had a reputation for speed and some national records. What kind of times do you think we'll see? Do you think we might be on the verge of those kind of speeds this weekend? Yeah, you know, when you, I think we were going to run at 8 o'clock or something on, on Friday night. You know, the sun's going to be down. It's going to be cool. The track's going to be cool. That's when you can really put the horsepower to it, and you're going to see records. Any advice for Austin as a young driver? No, he's doing a great job. He's been around the sport with his dad and his, his grandfather all his life, and he's, he's, he's going to be a big star.
So there's nothing that catches you by surprise as a young driver. You just got your racing license, correct? Yeah, uh, right before Pomona and uh, Pomona Q1. That was the first time I ever went down the track uh, all the way to the finish line over 300 miles an hour. So, um, you know, I've I've been around it my whole life. I've watched Robert uh, growing up, and you know, I see his mentality and his focus, and I know that's what I need to have to. Uh, go up and down the racetrack and turn on those wind lights. One more real quick. I can't get over this. Over 300 miles an hour. How long does it take for you to get used to that? Uh, I'm still not used to it. I don't <laughs> know how, how long it will. I'm getting more comfortable in the car. Uh, like Robert said, laps are everything, you know, going up and down the racetrack. And um, I just got a new crew chief this past weekend, Mike Green. Um, and, uh, you know, that's our main focus is get the car going up and down the racetrack and uh, try and start and win some rounds for our sponsors. And I knew from a technology standpoint, you're always looking for more horsepower. Is it possible that we could see these cars going faster at some point in the future? Well, that's the goal. Uh, you know, that's that's how we got to this point. Uh, NHRA has always been about, you know, drag racing, go quicker and faster. And that's uh, that's why the crew chiefs make the big bucks. They were doing a lot of testing all the time, things that we can test back at the shop. Some, some of the stuff you have to test on the racetrack, but that is the goal. But you're also seeing cars, you know, like I said, inches, you know, at 300 miles an hour. But top to bottom in a field, you know, it's hundreds of a second where, you know, 10 years ago it used to be tenths. So the field's definitely tightened up. Thank you for stopping by today. We have some quick business we need to take care of quick. Okay. I have to make a pick for Cap in NASCAR, and who are you taking this weekend? I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. We're at Pocono, the Tricky Triangle, longest straightaway on the NASCAR circuit, three different turns, different angles. Challenge for the crew chiefs will be finding the right setup to match each of those configurations, but I think Kyle Busch is the guy this weekend. It's a good pick. I pick for Cap. I'm going to take Steve, my Uber driver, yesterday because that's the fastest I've ever gone on a Chicago street. So <laughs> we'll see how that works out for Cap. Now, remember, you can enter right now at NBCSportsChicago.com Speedway to win two tickets to the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Camping World 400 coming up Sunday, June 30th. Watch as the stars of NASCAR battle it out on Chicago's magnificent mile and a half. Come early and enjoy a full carnival, Olympic-sized pool, music, entertainment, pit bike racing, barbecue competition, and more. Your chance to win, presented by Miller Lite, official beer partner of the Chicago Land Speedway. And that's a wrap for this Sports Talk Live, presented by the Chevy Silverado. Baseball night in Chicago is next, then it's White Sox baseball against the Indians at 7. Have a great evening, and we'll see you tomorrow.